Um, he's the one dressed not like the rest of us. So uh, he is the um, director of the Mongolian Tibetan Mongolian Buddhist Culture Center. All right, which is off of Snyder Road. You might have a seat up here. He is uh, he's here with Mary, who is kind of runs his life, but she doesn't say it that way. And then uh, Chum Pei, who's his assistant in the back there. Um, what we've been uh, what we've been doing. You have a seat here. I'll explain what we've been doing here. If you're new to Exodus, uh, the last number of weeks we've been interviewing. We've been uh, doing a series called Jesus in Focus, and we've been to do that. What we've done is uh, interviewed people from other religious perspectives. Uh, We interviewed a a Jewish rabbi, a Mormon bishop last week, uh, someone who identified himself as a gay progressive Christian. And uh, the whole point is to understand other points of view. Now, and I said this last week too, and I said this every week, um, Rinpoche and I would have fundamentally different understandings of uh, God the Bible, and how the world works in reality, all right? Fundamental differences in how we understand those things. You'll see on the green sheet is how is our understanding of, of Jesus and of God. But the fundamental, fundamental uh, differences does not uh, eliminate the possibility of dignified converse, conversation, uh, friendship, and understanding. So I'm going to make sure that's clear that he didn't accept this invitation affirming all that we believe, nor did I invite him affirming all that he believes, because we understand there's significant differences, different stories, different, you know. So, um, and if you have, if you have a question about it, there's a letter on the side table that I sent out to the congregation explaining kind of the purpose of the series, and just to get us to think more clearly about what we believe and think more clearly about uh, our understanding of Jesus. But anyway, I'm grateful uh, that uh, Rinpoche is here. He actually gave me a copy of his book, and I read it, and it's really interesting. Um, if anybody wants to borrow it sometime, let me know. It's called Surviving the Dragon. It's about his story in Tibet in the midst of uh, a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty with the uh, cultural revolution going on in China and the impact it had on his life. So uh, just real briefly, when did you come to Bloomington and how did you get here? I mean, not by plane or whatever, but... Oh. You know. <laughs> so. uh, hello. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, Actually, I, uh, 2006, I came to, um, came to, uh, you know, that's uh, Bloomington. Uh, <coughs> regionally, of course, I'm from Tibet, but then uh, uh, because due to a political uh, situation, I uh, uh, end up in uh, uh, California. So uh, then. Uh, 2006, uh, the His Holiness the Dalai Lama appointed me as a director here. Then I came here and uh, I'm uh, working on Tibetan Mongolian Buddhist Culture Center in the Snati Road. Yeah. You guys know Snati Road. It's on the unfortunate name of road, but it's on the uh, southeast side of town. And uh, actually, she, uh, Mary was just telling me that he bikes a lot, but he bikes within their little uh, uh, area campus, there because it's not as hilly campus, yeah. as when you uh, get out. So he yeah. does the flat biking. Yeah. So um, uh, one of the, I've told you the questions I was going to ask. The, the first question is, you know, and again, if you want it, there actually, there was a little article about him in the newspaper yesterday. So if you want a little more of the story, and I'm sure you can find out more of his story otherwise, but 
time just doesn't allow that as much today. But we talked, one of the questions was asking about what the good life is. And in, if I understand it correctly, Tibetan Buddhism, the good life can be determined, can be phrased by the enlightened life. What does the enlightened one, what does an enlightened life look like? What is that person like? Okay. So uh, I will try to explain that. I guess different religion, different culture, uh, different ethnic groups uh, all struggle that's a good life. So uh, for instance, the religious people have uh, their, their own uh, explanations and so forth. Uh, even a computer guy may be uh, sitting on the, uh, you know, uh, his desktop and uh, working on that's uh, good life every day. So uh, good life for uh, Buddhism uh, <coughs> has two steps, uh, one for oneself, one for the others. So one for oneself, how to satisfy oneself. So this is the good life, I guess. So for instance, if you receive a gift from your friend, so you open up, so it's a clothes, okay? It's a jacket or something, not a rope, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> if a jacket, then if you find that that jacket is an old one, uh, used one, what do you think? If you might think, you open up, you might think, oh, oh, this is very kind because this friend, uh, he has, uh, uh, <coughs> he need that one, but he sent to me, so I'm very happy. So, or you think, why send the old one? He should send a new one. I, I get the old one, like that, which is suffering. So, uh, my understanding is good life for oneself is a satisfaction. If you find something you're happy, then it's a peace. If you find something you have unhappy, then suffering. So actually that suffering or happiness, uh, that's in our hand. So uh, Buddhist, the first step is talking about that. So the satisfaction. So have so to- So personal satisfaction, per happiness. Personal, Looking yes. for happiness in situations instead yes. of the so, negative. Yes. Uh, if you lose your wallet, uh, which is a very uh, uh, stressful thing, but uh, when you think about that, then say, oh, I, you know, that's personally today is uh, my kind of loss. However, that money can benefit somebody. So then, uh, easy for us. So that's why that is the first step. Okay. The second step for others. So the others, for others, how can make others happy. So that's a very big issue. In different religion, talking about that, that's a lot, you know. And in Buddhism, that's a big issue. We call compassion. So compassion or loving kindness or love, that's all almost the same meaning, different words. However, you talking about compassion is very, very easy. You do the compassion is very difficult. So say that uh, again. Talking compassion. about compassion is easy. Talking about the compassion is easy. You, you generate compassion is very hard, very difficult. How? For instance, compassion. What is compassion? So, for instance, you hear something, oh, sad news or something happened or your family members or somebody uh, ill or somebody passed away or somebody got the cancer or something. You feel like sorry. We feel like painful. We feel like, uh, you know, like uh, crying maybe. 
So that's a kind of compassion. Then uh, right away, uh, you will try to help this person or do something for that <laughs> or find a doctor for them or wherever you do something. However, there's a little bit limitation on that. So the limitation is what uh, kind of person is that? So is this your friend or your relative or some somehow related to you? So then we have a more love. If that person doesn't have a relationship with you, uh, even that person uh, is like uh, doesn't like you, or you either like that person, right? So even say that person is your enemy. So we automatically lose this compassion. So that's why the compassion is very very difficult. So it's difficult with difficult people. Yes, difficult people. Actually, that is not a pure compassion. That's m our understanding. Is the pure compassion is without any limitation. You know, uh, like uh, unlimited love. So there is lo no limitation. No matter what's uh, what's happened. For instance, uh, we always expecting something inside us. So sometimes, if uh, people give uh, dinner or something. Uh, then very wonderful, you know, we had the wonderful party last week or whatever, then come back, you have to call that person. Maybe you think you should do something for that person. That person also expected a little bit the, the phone call. They expect a thank you yes. back or a meal back yes. or whatever. So uh, our, our compassion always like that way. We're doing something for them, but we inside we expecting something because that's person and your relationship. So that's not pure compassion. Yeah, that's not pure compassion. The pure compassion is just like yourself. You're taking care of yourself. You know, for instance, myself. Every day in the morning, I get up, I have to do certain things, like, like a little exercise, then chantings and prayers and so forth. But when you sit down and you meditate, you think about that. So there's a little bit of something unpure. You're always thinking about yourself because my health, mm. because you know I'm prayer, because I have to be a good person. Then the eventually uh, I have to have uh, you know kind of good feedback from some others or uh, so forth. So that's a little bit the expectation there. Okay. there. So that's uh, the idea is the compassion is pure compassion. There's uh, no limitation. Wherever, you know, love ourselves, I have to love others. So others need, no matter that person is my friend or enemy or, uh, you know, friend or a stranger or whatever, uh, if I can do something, you can do it. There's no limitation for doing. You know, you can do great things, you can do small things. So I just heard okay. you're doing wonderful things. So those are same thing, you know? So that's okay. all the, yes. So that's, if, if, my if yeah. the good person is personally happy and peaceful yes. and interpersonally compassionate in a pure way, how do you become that kind of person? How does someone in, in your in your religious worldview, how does somebody become that person? Because we're not born that way naturally. Exactly. How does no. somebody become that way? <laughs> yes, that's... A, how does somebody also, become enlightened? That's also, we're saying, uh, two steps. Steps, step one, you have to think about yourself. That's what we call, first step, we call liberation. The liberation means like uh, we're in the samsara. We, uh, somebody just mentioned, you know, the father mentioned nirvana. So we have, uh, in our mind, there's uh, two 
uh, two, uh, two cities. One is the city of Samsara. One is the city of uh, uh, Nirvana. Where's the limitation? City limit, you know? That is the, uh, our understanding. Actually, there's no place. That's in all in our mind. So uh, from our mind, you, we always, I just mentioned, you know, the gift or whatever some you received. Then you feel like, uh, oh, comfortable and uh, satisfied and, uh, you know, contentment like that. Then that is nirvana. If you think, oh, how come like that? And then you have a suffering. So we have to uh, struggle this one. That's uh, uh, the, the term in Buddhism we call wisdom. When you have this wisdom, you will understanding everything, understand everything will better, then you have a liberation. So the, from the samsara, everything in the samsara causes suffering or uh, make you happy. So when you make you happy, when things are make happy, then you are in nirvana. So that's the first step. And, so and where does the wisdom and understanding come from? How do you grow in that? That's uh, that's uh, you have to go through certain uh, uh, stage to study. I guess that's uh, okay. different religion, different tradition, different culture, different philosophy have their own way to explain it. But the meaning is same thing. So Buddhists also have a different books and different okay. practices and uh, go through all of them then to liberate it. So liberated means like uh, we're in the samsara. We, we, we seeing lots of things. We always say three things, happy, unhappy, and uh, apathy. Three things. Happy, unhappy, apathy. Yes. Happy, unhappy, uh, unhappy, and apathy. Those are basically we have. Happy, for instance, okay, I'm happy with here, or I'm happy with you. That's happy. Then uh, that's happy also can change. How can change? That's happy. I greet, I get need more greedy, like uh, attachment. Hmm. That's not good. So unhappy, oh, I don't like that. I don't like this place or I don't like that uh, uh, person or something. That's okay. But that also can change. That can easy to change to a hatred. So that's not good. Okay. The apathy also can change. That change to uh, like, uh, I don't care. I don't care became uh, uh, ignorance, uh, no wisdom, you know. So. Those three things we have to change. Uh, and we change those through our understanding. <coughs> exactly. And exactly. study. Study and meditation and practice daily life. So when you change, when you change those three things, changed, and then you are in nirvana. So when you get in this nirvana, oneself have a more happy. You're doing something, you're happy. Always satisfied and always happy to do something. That's in the first stage. Okay. Then you use that method to others, then is the compassion. So okay. that's, uh, then once some person always think others, always helping others, that is in the enlightened. So the enlightened one is someone who's exactly. completely other-centered, <coughs> but right. still happy and peaceful in themselves. Of course. Now, of course, now, yeah. uh, I told you to ask this question. Where, where do you put Jesus? What is Je where does Jesus fit or does he fit in Buddhism? Yes. Or how does he, how does he relate to Buddhism or Ac does he? Actually, actually, Jesus, that's the name in Tibetan or in Mongolian, we translate it. We call it uh, Ishu. We call it Ishu. Yes, Ishu. So I guess Jesus, that's just uh, sometime the name, the letter, or the words, or the symbol, you know, make a big difference. For instance, Jesus, 
So in different tradition, you know, different religion. So Jesus, oh, we don't believe Jesus like that. Uh, in Tibet, also same thing. Maybe you go to a countryside or you ask somebody, do you believe Jesus? They might say no. But actually, that's his name. I'm just always thinking that's, you know, if you go to a store, buy an uh, apple. So the goal is want the apple. I want the apple. You want the apple. We know the apple's ability, you know, how sweet it is and uh, how they uh, fit our stomach or how good for the health and so forth. But uh, we have a different name. You, you're American. You call apple. Maybe French people call something else. Maybe Chinese call something else. Maybe Tibetan call something else. But a different name. But the same, we all need the same thing. So that's why the Jesus in that Christianity is a, a name as a Jesus, like there's also symbol. In Tibetan Buddhism, there's no Jesus, that's no that's a symbol. However, the meaning I just mentioned, you know, we have an apple, same thing. You have an apple, I have an apple, but we have a different name. You call something else, I call something else, but the idea is same. So the conclusion, my understanding is in our tradition, we translate it, we might translate Jesus as a Bodhisattva. So the Bodhisattva is huh. like a saint, you know. So different form, different uh, style, maybe speak different language in, with different group people, so they will do good things. So, 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 in, so Jesus in that sense is, almost, is more of a concept. Yes. And, and so that's, that's where we, we'd agree in terms of that broader concept, but we'd, there, there'd probably be differences between the specific things we believe about exactly, Jesus in the Bible, exactly. his divinity, his death exactly. and resurrection. That's where you would say we, we split paths there. Exactly. You would, you would not go down the same road we go on that one. Yes. So then I always say that, uh, for instance, we climb a mountain, okay, climb a high mountain. Then you might pick a different direction. I might pick a different direction. So if I uh, <coughs> go that direction, I have a lot of uh, uh, rocks or snow or whatever, something. You might go different direction. You might have uh, rivers or whatever, some different experiences. End of the uh, <coughs> end, at the end, then we'll meet on tip of the mountain. So the goal is we all go up. Okay, so on the way, we have a different experiences. So you using that method, you practice that way. So the final, uh, finally, you will like to be a good, you know, practice more goodness and helping others and compassion and love and so forth. We might different take my uh, different directions, but uh, using different language, different books and the different style to practice, but they ended up all the same. So that's why my understanding Jesus in Buddhism as uh, other bodhisattva. You know, and we know we well, can't we're recognize bodhis what's that? bodhisattva. Bodhisattva means uh, is a Sanskrit is a saint. You know, okay. enlightened person. He's a, yeah. So you would say it, at the very, at the very least person. you would see Jesus yes. as an enlightened person. Yes. Even though we disagree on some of the exactly, exactly. That's some just of the factual historical stuff exactly. that we believe and and whether he was divine or not. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's why. Uh, can I add one more thing? Sure. So that's why. For our center, uh, if you can stop by and visit, you can. Uh, of course, our center is a, 
uh, Tibetan Mongolian Buddhist cultural center. So that's why we have a beautiful, uh, you know, Buddhist shrine and everything. However, we have a, a different religious symbol also. So we have a different religious that's interface altar. So we uh, <coughs> respect, uh, you know, other religious sacred objects. So that's why you can come and uh, even not just the symbol put there, but also we have uh, interface programs and the practice uh, together. Yeah. So is it, is it accurate to say then we would both say, <coughs> for you and for me, our goal in life would be the same. We wanna be selfless, very other-centered. Exactly. But the method through which we get there will have some significant differences. Yes, the, the practice. Because I think every world, every world religion would say they want to be these kind of people, same and thing, we all have different ways thing. of yes, getting there. Yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and, uh, and in, in that sense then, you would, you would say, you might disagree with our way of getting there or not agree with the same way, right? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I have a friend who's a, a dentist. Uh, he practiced the Christianity, I guess. So, um, for instance, the Buddhist, uh, Buddhist understanding everything in inside. Uh, I don't know your religion I, because I'm ignorant yeah. for that. So uh, maybe Jesus in somewhere else, okay, on, on the uh, above you. So the Jesus came and the uh, wherever God came and the help you. So uh, our understanding is inside because uh, the Buddha is an enlightened person who gave that method mm -hmm. or idea. So you have to, by yourself, you have to manage your life to be uh, enlightened. So that's the same idea. So I talked to that's a dentist. The dentist says, oh, wonderful. I thank for God because he gave me that wonderful hand. I can help others. So okay. that's, that's his understanding. So I say, oh yeah, that makes sense. But for me, you know, because the Buddha gave you a wonderful method, you practice, you learn that you can help others. So, so the helping others and doing good things are same. So the method and everything is same, but the, our understanding inside, your understanding somewhere else come yeah, to you. That's, a good, that's, that's a good exactly the same thing. So you okay. would say that the starting point for the Buddhist is exactly. we have it inside of us. Yes. And it's just a matter of, if I can say it, taming the lion inside of us to become the kind of person we want to be. Whereas Christianity, we yes. would say, uh, like in the song we sang, no, we, we would say we need something exactly. outside of us to yes. transform what's inside of us. Whereas you would say right. it's just a matter of harnessing what's already inside you. Yes. Is that accurate so to say that's that I'm a, not that's trying a, to? That's, a, that's, a, that's why Buddhists always say everyone has a Buddhahood. Everyone has the ability to be uh, enlightened. But uh, because I mentioned that's a good, happy, unhappy, uh, those uh, uh, apathy, those are three things, contaminated, then became attachment, anger, hatred, then jealous, and so forth. So we can't, uh, uh, you know, be enlightened because our ability is limited. So we have to practice those compassion and loving kindness and so forth to purify them. Once you purified your Buddhahood, you know, developed, then you became an enlightened person. That okay. is uh, my understanding. Okay. okay. Well, Rinpoche, I'm really grateful that you came Thank here this you. morning. And are you willing, we, we have a little more of the service. Are we willing to stay afterwards in case anybody wants just to talk to you okay. or to, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, Mary's still back Mary there. And so Chumpe, is Chumpe. Yes. Um, Mary's originally from Evansville, correct, Mary? So if anybody has any Evansville connections, they can go talk to her about Evansville. So uh, do you, could I, could I, uh, 
pray a prayer of blessing for you right now. Uh, sure, That'd be sure, okay. Yeah. If you all join me, um, uh, God, would you? I'll pray a prayer from the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. Would the Lord bless you and keep you? Would the Lord make His face to shine upon you? Um, would the Lord be merciful to you, and would He give you peace? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Can you get down there all right? Uh -huh. Yeah, I, uh, I, I told Rinpoche with this big step here, um, I have a hard time getting up, but he's in better shape than I am, so he doesn't have any problems. So, But uh, anyway, thank you very much. Hey, uh, like I've said, if you've been here before, I'll do, I'm, I'm doing just a shorter sermon right now, and it's not... It was not in any way designed as any kind of uh, uh, cheap attempt at rebuttal. So it's not, so this was going through a series. So um, I've told the people I've interviewed, I'm not going to take the pulpit to have a chance to, f to debate them unfairly. So just so you know, I want to make sure I say that. So let me pray, and we're going to look briefly into something uh, from the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus. Uh, God, we uh, believe in your Holy Spirit, um, as the Bible calls him, the Lord and giver of life. And we believe uh, in the invisible world. We believe that spirit is real and your spirit is present and able to communicate to every single person here this morning. So as your word says, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear um, from your Holy Spirit? We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. It's not published in the paper anymore, but the cartoon uh, Far Side used to be... Um, we have that up on the screen there, Paul? Yeah, it used to be a uh, no, no, no regular thing in newspapers. This is God at the creation of the world. Some of the things, you can't read it all, but he has uh, ingredients. He has birds, insects, medium-skinned people, light-skinned people, dark-skinned people, reptiles, trees. And I've blocked off what he's putting into it because up a little bubble it says, and just to make it interesting, and God's adding something else to the Light-skinned, dark-skinned, medium-skinned, reptiles, people, and whatever else. How many, anybody know what this cartoon actually? Anybody seen it before? Because this is what God adds in. See what it says? You can't read? Jerks. <laughs> jerks. Just to make it interesting, I'm going to put some jerks into the world. Yeah, the people, dark-skinned, light-skinned, reptiles. But just to make it interesting, the color version of this cartoon, the jerks thing is red, almost like, you know, hot peppers or whatever. And the question then becomes, I mean, of course, the Bible doesn't say God put jerks in the world, but just a humorous look at that. But the question then becomes, um, what do we do with the people we would call jerks in our lives? Somebody told me once that that, that word was a little bit strong, but let's be honest, uh, sometimes there's somebody, I, I'm guessing somebody in this room this week has been driving and somebody cut you off and you said under your breath, jerk, or worse, so who, who's, who, who in your life has hurt you? Who has taken something from you? Maybe not physically something. Maybe, maybe they violated some emotional boundaries of yours. But who is someone who has hurt you? And again, the, you know, the, the slang term we use is who's the jerk in your life? And again, you may not see it that way. You may not use that term. Maybe use stronger terms. Maybe use less stronger terms. But if you were to rehearse what that person did to you, 
um, we would probably see some degree of emotion inside of you. Uh, it could have been a big offense, what I call a capital T trauma. It could have been a small thing, what I call a small T trauma. But either one of those, those things hurt. And the question then becomes, okay, what do you do with How do we respond to those people? How do we become the kind of people who aren't controlled by our reactions to those hurts in life? Because you cannot be spared from hurt in life. What we've been talking about is uh, Jesus in focus, trying to focus on what is it that Jesus said, and specifically from the Sermon on the Mount, which is perhaps his most famous sermon. What did he say? And a few weeks ago, we talked about what Jesus said about how you can be the kind of person that lives a life free of anger, Then a few weeks after that, free of sexual lust, free of contempt, free. How do you live a life where you you really are a different kind of person? And it's not because you behave differently. It's because internally you become different. So your behaviors are naturally different. You're not just learning how to how to behave like a Christian, how to behave like a Christian. No, but there's a transformation that Jesus talked about that you can actually become that kind of person. We've been talking, it's been, we've been using the Sermon on the Mount, which at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible tells us that people were amazed at his teaching. And amazed, not because he was a great public speaker, but he was saying some things to them that no religious teacher in their experience, of their Jewish experience in those days, had ever told them was possible for them. Because he's saying, you can have a kind of life that you've always thought you could have, where you are free from anger, sexual lust, contempt, and in this case, the desire for revenge. Not free from those things happening to you or coming at you, but free from giving in to them and becoming the kind of person who's dominated by those things. His opening part of his Sermon on the Mount, and this is the main sermon of Jesus over and over again, if you, if you were to do a search of these phrases, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God in the Gospels, This would be Jesus, if Jesus had a one sermon, this is his one sermon, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And what he meant by that was not stop sinning so you can go to heaven. Now, is that a true statement? Yes, it's a true statement. That's not what Jesus meant by that statement, nor was it what the Jewish people understood him meaning. The kingdom of heaven to the average Jewish mind was it's the time where God is totally in control of the world. It's the life I've always wanted. It's the time where my life is, is completely a good conversational, transformational relationship with the God of the universe, and I become the kind of person full of life, joy, peace, forgiveness. I become that kind of person. I can be that kind of person. In the other Gospels, it's called the kingdom of God. John actually uses the phrase eternal life. And eternal life, the way John uses it, means the same thing as kingdom of God. It means an eternal kind of life, a different plane of living. That was the message. The good news of Jesus was you can have this kind of conversational, transformational life with God. You can be the kind of person full of life. Now, the death of Jesus on the cross and resurrection, that was part of how he had to open up that new and living way for us. That is part of the good news. But the good news Jesus came proclaiming was you can have the life you've always wanted by dedicated, devoted discipleship with a man named Jesus, the man sent from God, the man who was God. That was the message of Jesus. That's why people were amazed because he told them, you, you can have this kind of life and just change how you've thought about these things. Change your way of thinking. Stop giving yourself to 
getting life that way, sin, and the kingdom of heaven, this kind of life is now available to you. It wasn't like a distant, they'd have been told their whole life that kind of life was a distant, out-of-reach thing because they weren't good enough, didn't behave enough, didn't have a much, enough theological training. They've been told their whole life, you can't have that kind of life because you've got way too many obstacles. Now he's telling them, no, you can. Follow me. Trust me. This particular passage from Matthew chapter 5 is uh, just four verses, five verses, and Jesus simply says this. This is where he talks about revenge. You've heard that the law says the punishment match must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So that's, that is in the Old Testament. So when Jesus says you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So if you have, let me give an example here. Okay, what's your name? Robert. Robert, here you go, Robert. Those two things belong to you. And let's say if, uh, stand up for a second, Robert. Let's say that I take something that belongs to Robert and I'm just like, I break it. The law says, what can Robert do back? And what do you do? Okay, he gets the one I have. But sometimes human emotion is out of the way and he takes mine and it's like, I don't, I'll take this back. And then you start, and, 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 but it was like, no, the law was meant initially to equalize hurt. He hurts, I hurt him, I either have to give it back or he can hurt me to equal degree. And in a sense, the Old Testament law was an advancement of culture because it actually equalized damage. Instead of, well, he broke my arm, I'm going to break his legs. And then he's, well, I'm going to break his back. And, it, and then it escalates, which is kind of the history of human life, right? Escalated hurt. She hurt me, I'm going to hurt him. Back and back. Here, give me my sticks back, man. <laughs> All right? So, so Jesus is saying, you've heard that it's, it's, you should just be equal. If they hurt you... You can hurt them back. If they, if they kill your cow by accident, you get their cow. And that was kind of a great morality and ethics of equality. Let's be equal in this. But Jesus is now saying you need to go beyond that. You need to be, even do more than that. And the people are like, what do you mean more than that? How can you get better than breaking even? And this is what he then says. He says this. But I say, don't resist an evil person. And this is where there's phrases you've all heard before. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, off the other cheek. If someone sues you in court and your shirt's taken, give them your coat too. That's where we get the phrase, give them the shirt off your back. If a soldier demands you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. So what Jesus is saying here, and you read this first phrase, you know, if, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, give them the other also. Initially, it sounds like he's saying, become a doormat. Let people walk all over you. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, if someone has hurt you, there may be a time and situation where God asks you to go back to that person in vulnerability and try to repair the relationship. They, very, they, they may very well slap you right back, and then you pull back again. And I think all of you, some of you know, what I'm, you may have these situations. There was a situation in my life where I felt like God wanted me to kind of try to reinstall and still a relationship with someone who I felt like had slapped me. And I remember telling my wife, um, I think God wants me to go talk to this person, but I'm afraid because I'm a wimp, I said, because I don't know if they're going to want to talk or if they're going to treat me the same way they always treat me, which was hurtful. So what Jesus is saying here, he's not saying be weak. He's saying be strong enough, have the kind of strength that if you need to go back 
and try to bring peace to a relationship, have strength to go back to that person knowing they may still treat you the same way. Now, he's not saying go back into abusive situations over and over and over. It's going back when God may lead you to go back in that situation, at least to try to reinvolve. So he's not talking about being a doormat. Same thing on this one when he says if someone, uh, if you're sued in court and your shirt is taken, give them your coat too. And again, if you're a listener, you're like, really? If somebody's going to take something from me, I'm supposed to give them more? And I've, I've used this example before and actually was talking to some people before church who had similar kind of neighbor issues. Where I had a neighbor one time who was convinced that this tree, this dead tree, was uh, on the property line equally. And he said, well, I want to get it cut down. Can you cover half the cost? And I was like, I don't care if it's cut down. And no, I don't really want to pay for it to get cut down. So sorry, I can't help you. And he was a little bit miffed by that. A few weeks later, we had our property uh, measured because we're putting a fence in. And lo and behold, the property line showed that the tree was absolutely on his property. Totally. So then I was thinking, okay, if he wants to cut it down, it's his business. Because I, you know, here's the stake, here's the stake. Sorry, man, it's your, your tree. So he went and I, he was like, nah, 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 nah. that's what he said. So, and, and I remember, and I remember he got it cut down and I felt somewhat degree of relief. But then that relief ended pretty quickly when I had a real strong sense from the spirit of God that I was supposed to give this guy some money for the tree. And I, I reminded God about the property line. <laughs> so do you... You saw that. You see the property line. What's the deal? It's his tree. And I think the spirit of this passage is what God was trying to say to me. No, it's not about even Stephen. That kind of spirituality is easy. He's saying, no, you go beyond and bless that person, even though you don't owe them a dime. I tell you, that check was really hard for me to write to hand it to him. And when I gave it to him, I still remember the shock on his face. And I just walked away. I didn't say, Jesus told me to. I and mean, that would have been like real spiritual, right? I just said, no, I just feel like I needed to help you out on this. And uh, I think it was $200, which is not a lot, but it's a lot, right? But that's kind of what Jesus, and then when Jesus says, uh, if a soldier asks you to carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. And that day, by law, if you were a Jewish citizen and a Roman soldier who occupied the country, if a Roman soldier said, um, tell me your first name again. If I'm, a, if I'm a soldier and I said, okay, Robert, you're a Jew, you got to carry my gear for one mile. By law, he had to do that. He could not resist. He had to carry it for a mile. And again, this is the audience of Jewish people Jesus is talking to. And Jesus says, so Robert, if a soldier asks you to carry his gear for a mile, which you're going to do with great resentment and anger because you hate the Romans even being there, uh, carry it a second mile. I mean, if you're one of these Jewish young men at the time, you're thinking, you're kidding. Like, I'll carry that gear 5,279 feet and 11 and a half inches. I'm dropping it. I'll do exactly what the law requires me, no more. And Jesus says, no, carry it two miles. Shock the Roman soldier with the generosity of your spirit that can only come from the spirit of Jesus inside of you. So you can see how his te Jesus' teaching was rattling people because they're like, no, we hate the Romans. I, I don't even like carrying it a mile. He's like, no, carry it a second mile. Go the extra miles where we get that from. And, and again, they're asking, how? How? I got so much anger and pent-up frustration about this whole occupation of the Romans. Why would I want to carry it two miles? 
And that's where Jesus says, that's what I'm talking about. There's a different kind of life available to you if you allow my spirit inside of you and you will begin to live life in a kind of generosity that will make sense to no one. And the, and the, the phrase I've used, go to the next slide there, Paul, that you will have a supernatural generosity. Christianity is a supernatural religion. It's not a religion just of morality or good teaching or right behavior. It's a supernatural transformational religion because that's what Jesus talked about. How do you become the kind of person that has supernatural generosity to your spouse when you're in tension, to your mom and dad when you're in tension, to your neighbors who want you to pay for their trees, to your neighbors who sometimes can be jerks to you? How do you have the kind of generosity of spirit and sometimes generosity of money, energy, emotional time to give to someone when they absolutely don't deserve it? If anything, they deserve you to kind of stick them in the eye. And Jesus says, no, no, you can be those kind of people. You can be the kind of people that respond that way to personal hurt. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry if anybody here is a personal injury lawyer, which I know they are. You'd be out of business. If we all lived by the ethic of Jesus and the supernatural power available to us. Because it wouldn't be this, well, they hurt me. Now I need a, a million dollars from the emotional damage I suffered. I'm not, saying that's not, I'm not saying that's illegitimate, but I'm saying in the, in the world that Jesus would say we could live in, there's no need for that. Because we would always be returning generosity. Not, not stupidly, not in denial, not walking into abuse, not letting people walk all over us. But with the strength of the Spirit in Jesus, we show goodness where we've been shown anything but that and the last passage i'll put up here and then we'll be done is what we've had every week because what jesus was saying and was rocking their world because they were used to living by what paul calls uh the law that leads to death therefore there now there's no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus because through christ jesus the law of the spirit who gives life which is what jesus talks about the life-giving spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is I have to do this. Obligation, right behavior, I know I'm supposed to. Guilt, okay, I know I should carry it two miles, so I'll carry it two miles with a great deal of resentment and anger. It's not at all. Jesus is saying no. And Paul's saying you are now free to live by the law of the spirit of life. You are free. You can be that kind of person by reliance, devotion, and following of Jesus. That's what he says. You can be the kind of person who has that kind of transformed spirit. Um, let's pray. Jesus, I pray this morning for any one of us here, which is maybe many of us here,